This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Welcome to the Action and Ambition Podcast. I'm your host today, Chase Geyser. And with us, we have a very special guest, Luke Ritchie. In his own words, as the founder and chief visionary officer at Gravity, excuse me, at Gravity Jack, I have the privilege of leading an amazing team of computer vision, augmented reality, AR, deep learning scientists, and game software developers. Gravity Jack's growing portfolio and innovative culture is a direct result of the amazing minds assembled under the banner of Gravity Jack. When I founded the company in 2009, I shared my vision for creating a world where the digital and the human experience seamlessly integrate. I was often met with blank stares or disbelief that such technology was even possible. Fast forward to today, we are creating compelling experiences for Fortune 500 brands and government agencies worldwide and have an amazing patent portfolio that essentially patents AR. I started coding when I was 14, had software in use at NASA and NASDAQ by 19, I've started a number of companies with successful exits with one spectacular crash in the dot-com bust in and out of the office. I have a passion for mentoring, being mentored, learning, and living. I love life and being on this planet in a very exciting time for the tech space. Everything is about to change. Luke, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Action and Ambition podcast. How are you today, sir? Oh, doing excellent. Thank you, Chase, for having me. Absolutely. Man, one of the questions I usually start with is where was your mind at at 18? But it sounds like your mind was doing what you're doing right now, which is coding for NASA and NASDAQ and changing the world. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of a nerd. I liked comics and uh, I actually knew I was going to be an entrepreneur from the moment I could actually spell, which wasn't until second grade, believe it or not. <laughs> was entrepreneur the first word you learned to spell? <laughs> uh, no, but it was, I, I, I told my mom, I was like, I need to learn to spell this because people on the bus are asking me what I'm going to be. And uh, I don't know how to, and then they asked me if I could spell it and I couldn't. So I was embarrassed. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So like I said, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the uh, podcast Based on your bio, man, I got to ask you, did we land on the moon or was it just VR? Oh, oh, you know, I actually oscillate <laughs> and then I read, I'm an amateur astronomers uh, and I look at, you know, okay, they say they see the tracks, but then I'm like, but if I was trying to push a conspiracy, <laughs> I would, you know, have amateur astronomers say that. So yeah, I actually literally week by week changed my mind on that one <laughs> my, yeah i'm the same way my current position on the matter is that we landed on the moon but we faked the live stream oh yeah i don't even know how you do that i mean you have what an eight second delay uh right i mean yeah you're not gonna have a live phone call with the president from the moon unless they had quantum you know communication devices which i know they didn't Everything yeah well like apparently they blasted the, <laughs> they blasted the stream to some satellites in australia and that's how they converted it to a broadcast it just doesn't add up to me i don't know though i'm just ignorant yeah, I'm kind of like with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I There's think we think the stuff. Russians would have called us out, right? That's the other thing. Unless they're all in cahoots since the beginning. I mean, you can go deep down this rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, bro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your dot-com bust. What happened? Oh, you know, I was a young CEO, super cocky, super stupid. Uh, and I, I didn't understand cash flow. Um 
I was getting terms, offering extended terms, and I was growing like I mean, the, my first my first hardware company. I mean, it, it exploded. Uh, I went to twelve million a year uh, in eighteen months, and you know, it was just dominating this market. And I thought I was just untouchable, super egotistical. Uh, and I, yeah, I had a client that crashed. It was like the start of the dot-com bus and it was a bank and they're like, Hey, we, we have to cancel our order. Uh, and it was, you know, $750,000, uh, uh, but I'd already ordered everything. And then my client started falling off. Uh, and it was just, it was just an interesting time. Cause if I had appropriately focused on, uh, cash flow i wouldn't have had that problem it was uh it was a, it was a lack of foresight you know hey if one domino tips you can definitely ha- have struggles so you know when that when i lost that client and then other people started falling in the dot-com bust uh, i couldn't pay my bills and so yeah that it, it tanked me my partners uh, and it humbled me significantly <laughs> which i needed so badly uh, I think everybody needs a loss, but especially like when you're good at something and gifted, uh, a loss kind of puts it in perspective. <laughs> you end up having to declare personal bankruptcy. Yes, I did. Yep, when I was Man, very young, that must have been so tough. And, Were you married at the time you, or anything? I was, and it was. Uh, it was just it. It was just a hard time, but man, I learned so much from that experience, which is why I'm not. I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, I was if you can imagine you're 14 and then by the time you're 18 people at NASA and NASDAQ are using my software and, and I'm writing code in assembler and, uh, and I'm telling, you know, my university professors that they're stupid. Uh, and, and then, so then you just have this crushing defeat um, and everybody hates you. <laughs> it just, it was so good for me. I mean, it, it changed my whole world. Uh, and yeah, so I, I'm actually very thankful for the experience. So how'd you ba- bounce back? Uh, I mean, I, I now actually have a term I use for it. Um, but it's just, you know, if you look, well, one, I don't know anything else. I don't know actually how to appropriately work for under somebody, even when I've had companies purchased, I've warned them about, um, and so I, I had no choice. I'm like, so I just start small, start, uh, kind of hidden. The interesting thing is at that point, I, I, you know, so I got humbled uh, but I didn't want to actually screw the people that I owed money. So I did pay everybody back. Uh, and it took me three years. Uh, but in that process, I ended up, you know, when I honored people with, you know, that I could have totally messed with, uh, uh, I ended up with some deep friendships. Um, and so we started another company. That company is called OpenEye. Uh, and it actually recently sold to alarm.com. I, I was, I, I exited a long time ago, long before the alarm.com sale, but, um, yeah, and it was, it was just, it was a neat thing. Cause, and so they kind of brought me up, uh, and I rebuilt in a framework of working with some partners. Wow. So tell me what open eye was, was it different than the first business that you had, or was it basically the same thing, but second chance? It was actually a whole new thing. It was, uh, digital video recorders. And so it was at the time when, and I was, uh, I'd written codecs. Uh, so I really understood, you know, fast forward transformations and uh, how codecs worked at the video card level. And I understood hardware. So this kind of, we kind of brought this concept of like, could you do a DVR uh, digital video recorder that, you know, is more Apple-esque 
Uh, so we flew to Korea, machined, you know, uh, cases that looked pretty. I mean, now you'd laugh because <laughs> uh, they were pretty dorky. But at the time, they had this, you know, Apple feel. So it's like bring that feel to the server room was kind of the concept. And it, and it worked. People loved it. So what are you doing now with Gravity Jack? Well, we it's we've been in this waiting period, this kind of holding period because we've I've when we started in 2009, my wife has founded three companies with me. Um, in 2007, we had a company bought by a gaming company, and we worked under them for two years. And in 2009, I told her the app, the app, Apple app iPhone had just come out, and I told her, "Hey, this is stupid. Like, we're gonna have glasses here soon." <laughs> uh, and She's like, no way. And I, then I started explaining to her augmented reality and what's going to come. Um, and uh, she says, well, let's go patent all this. So, But what we did is we actually designed the game at the time. At the time, it was called Ivatars. It is now uh, uh, called War Tribe. Uh, and um, we developed our patents around what it, it is game and the concept and what we would need in, in utility to do that. But we knew, hey, this requires... Uh, a moment in time when there is a set of glasses coming that you'll play in home with that have a good field of view uh, that so you can literally experience digital. So that's where we're at Like last summer. So I call the whole last 13 years the waiting period. And then because we're kind of deeply connected into Apple, we knew the Vision Pro was going to be announced. Uh, so we actually restarted everything we were working on with the, with the, the game. And the concepts we actually developed back then still have not been done. I mean, they're, these things are wild, wild. I cannot wait to actually even just launch components of it because it it goes with the flow of how the industry is going to go, how we're going to, you know, mobile AR is kind of that key element. And then we're going to mo move to Vision Pro, especially in the spending economies, you know, strong economies. And, uh, and there will be ubiquitous glasses use. And I won't say a timeline because I'm always wrong on those, but... It's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to guess when, but the what is actually fairly fairly easy, right? So yeah, do you think the exactly. future of gaming is going to be virtual reality, or do you think there's always going to be a place for keyboard, mouse, screen? I, I actually 100% believe the screen has to die. Uh, it's an inevitability. Yeah. Well, when you just think, I mean, the Apple Vision Pro is a version one Apple product, and it's beautiful, and it's gorgeous, and they did so many things that we were expecting. Uh, one, the field of view, it's perfect. So you put these on, you, you can't tell what's digital and not in terms of, because there's no square blocking you off like the HoloLens or the Magic Leap. Uh, and th they realized, we've been saying this for years, that VR is AR with the knob turned all the way up. And that's literally, they literally added a knob where you can just turn it all the way up and you're fully immersed. Uh, so you think of this adding a Cartesian or a Z axis to, um, my view, now I'm looking at a screen, everything's 2D. I kind of theoretically have a Z-axis because there's windows behind things, but what if I could grab that window and just shift it out? Uh, and what if the concept of even a square window goes away? Uh, because it's it's so relegated to like the days of paper. Um, your whole world is your computing environment already. It's just analog. And now there's just going to be digital stuff. And the micronization of glasses is really where it'll be ubiquitous. Uh, and we got a number of patents we're working on that those pieces too so uh it's that next leap forward and so you it, you can't like you won't use the screen it's, you'll be like why why would i have a million all i have to do is put on this lightweight pair of glasses 
Wow. So where does this tie into like Neuralink? I mean, are the blind eventually going to be able to have VR experiences with a visual component? Well, I saw so that's a whole deeper. I have a deep, uh, I believe the brain is a quantum computer and recent neural neuro, neuroscience supports that with we are, we're showing that actually the neurons themselves perform computation prior to doing the calcium signal channeling. So I'm pretty confident like you're not going to just be able to record a neuron's uh, value and then repeat it. But so uh, without viral interference, so I do think you can take things like rabies viruses, which they've done with mice and uh, monitor and inject values into the neurons. That'll be interesting. So long answer. Uh, I think that's a quite a ways off actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the, if the brain is a quantum computer, does that mean that we're living in a simulation? <laughs> well, yeah, that's my opinion, but it's a very good one. <laughs> Who's the simulator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's you. I mean, I believe it's God. That's, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I look around, I look at all the, the perfection of it, and I'm like, yeah, you have to have unlimited computation to even be able to think of some of these mechanisms. So unlimited computation implies, you know, an infinity that I can't comprehend. <laughs> sure. It's great. What's crazy to me though, is that we're getting closer and closer to being able to create simulations that are approximating reality or at least close enough to reality that it's, it's, it's a valuable experience for us as human beings. So Absolutely. the fact that we live in a simulation that's so massive that it can actually contain within it simulations. <laughs> it's like inception, right? Yeah. Well, and it's like, if you, you know, if you believed like I do, which is we're made in his image, like that, that desire to create and build and do things, you know, is because of, you know, who we're made after uh, and designed after. So uh, it's an inevitability to, and to make it discoverable, even how deep the discovery goes is just fascinating. And so, cause we could have lived in, been in a universe where nothing's discoverable uh, or we didn't even have, you know, the level of reason to actually want to discover. <laughs> uh, total, yeah. total getting off in the weeds. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And one more off in the weeds question. I promise we're going to get back to gravity, Jack. <laughs> so where do the aliens fit into all this, man? <laughs> I, so I believe they're just interdimensional uh, yeah. beings yeah. likely. Um, even if you look at the geometry of how some of the things display in this space, like if it would look like what it would look like if you were inserting, inserting like a 5D object into a 2D space and the movement of it too would be very surprising to you. You know, it'd be like, a, you know, if, you, if you're a 2D character on a piece of paper and you throw a ball, you know, all you see is a, a line potentially moving up and down coming towards you. <laughs> uh, but right. Wow, that's so fast. That's totally a hypothesis, though. I don't, I don't go too course, deep. That's why it's fun to talk about, man. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, when did you start Gravity Jack? Th was it 13 years ago and then just sort of in a holding pattern? or? Yeah, I mean, we did some really awesome things. We started it in 2009. Uh, we really did essentially patent some of the key core components of AR. We licensed that to big tech now. Um, I mean, we were at the very first AWE. We wrote the first uh, game engine. We did the first AR toy. Like I was, we were doing a lot of firsts, and I was, I was just thinking it was right around the corner. And there was a moment we got a term sheet. We're going to go big. 
and I realized, oh, I'm so early. Like I'm too early. The hardware is like not even close. Uh, so I talked to our board. We paid back a bridge round that we'd taken. I said, look, we're just going to create cool things, uh, stay in the space, you know, keep innovating, keep doing our R&D. Let's make money until, and I, and I defined the moment where the Vision Pro would be announced. Um, and then let's, let's move forward with the, the game concept. Uh, that we've always, you know, and so my, my seed shareholders are the most patient people on the planet. I love them. Uh, some, some of them didn't love me for a while. <laughs> well, the fact that you paid, paid back the bridge round was interesting because it doesn't sound like something you would have done had you not had that experience with the dot-com bust. Yeah. I mean, they all wanted to convert. Uh, and I was, I actually just wanted to preserve equity for, you know, future moves, which we're, we're making those moves right now. We're about to. Uh, enter a regulation CF crowdfund around the concepts that we've created. So do you come from a place of being passionate about gaming or is this something that you sort of fell into because of the technology that you were interested in? I would, it actually, if you want to go back a little bit, I, I was, uh, we were born in like super poor. Um, and so the actual passion driving the game is, there's a there's a lot of finance involved in game games. You know, we were a reference developer for the Meta Oculus, um, which means my devs write code that other devs use as examples. Um, right. We're we've been doing game a number of games. One of the games we did uh, was doing thirty five million a month when we handed it off to the client that we did it for, and that was that was top line. That was like above and beyond expenses. Uh, they ended up selling to IGN for five hundred million. Um, so it was, it's like, uh, we know how to compel gamers to spend. And my motivation, especially after I got humbled was like, look, I want to use every skill I have to attack, uh, world problems. And I know that sounds really bold and probably like somewhat narcissistic and maybe potentially like the opposite of humble. But like, if you have a skill and, uh, and you and you know how to get people to spend and you don't really have a desire personally to you know have some lavish crazy lifestyle what could you solve and uh poverty is one thing we just really are heavily attacking but then i'm sitting there how do i convince shareholders uh to be altruistic and i mean i struggle with that question for like years and then i realized you don't <laughs> you can't like they're never going to sign on. So what you have to do is create a value exchange. If you want altruism, you have to receive something back from the people that the apparent altruism is occurring for. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the game we're working on the motivation, I mean, it, the mechanics and the play have to be fun for all this to work. And I'm telling you, that's already there. It is amazing. Like it's so wild, but so let's assume that's there and let's assume gravity jack is really good at compelling people in strong economies to spend money uh how do you how do you get something digital in front of people in impoverished areas and what do you what can you get back that's a value and this answer didn't come to me until i was like during covid uh so it was kind of pre-game because i mean i've literally been pondering this for a decade how do we do this piece um uh, and I just thought I would just give it or do something, you know, on my own. But I really, now we've built this into the game mechanics We're using an uh, equation called Nash equilibrium in game theory. So here's how it works. Um, 
there. So I, I, in during COVID, I end up at this language conference, uh, and it's kind of pre-chat GPT. Um, we've been doing AI for a long time, um, and I'm meeting with all these specialists in languages, and they're telling me, hey, there's 7,200 languages on the planet, and 7,100 of them are essentially unreached, meaning there will never be a natural language processing engine for these 7,100 languages, which represent half the planet. Correspondingly, the majority of those unreached languages are people that live in ultra poverty. Uh, and so this is like perking up my ears. The fact that I was even at this conference was kind of an accident. I just knew the director of innovation. So it's a really tight group of the top people on the planet. Like it was, I was like, I was in a room with people. I'm like, wow, your brains are so amazing. Uh, but, and the reason is, so Google Translate has always supported hundred languages, ChatGPT, 95 languages, like, and they'll never support more because there's no financial motivation to speak to 50,000 people and especially 50,000 people that don't have any money. Right. Uh, and that's, that's kind of like, that comprises that group. But I started asking our clients, I'm like, because we were an agency, so we have some really big fortune cookies. I'm like, they're aware of this problem. Look, we can't talk to half the planet. What if you could? What if you could just talk to 5% of the top economic sphere of those unreached languages? What if you could talk to 10%? So what we're doing is this game that is worldwide. It's always already geo-based. Now imagine if you're in an area where you have an uh, unreached language. In the questing engine itself, you see uh, a quest that you can earn uh, in-game revenue from. And what it is is a translation. And the cool part is, is this isn't a model we're, we're doing. We're actually working with a partner who proves this. What they showed is you can go into a group of sub 100K people that are in an unreached language with sub 1,000 uh, written items, and you can actually create a natural language processing engine. But that's about four to $7 million, depending on the language. But the mechanism is you have a translator, you have four people verifying, everybody gets paid in that loop. And what you ended up with was NLPs that were way more accurate than even current NLPs because of this penta verification mechanism that they used. Um, and and the like a decentralized and, uh, approach to translation because you have people doing these quests. Exactly. So we're just we're just doing it in the game. I'm working with the partner. They're actually creating the quest. We're targeting people groups. And what Gravity Jack receives back is a natural language processing engine for that people group. And what we receive back is this capability to go to our agency partners and say, hey, look, now I can do 1%, 2%, 5%, 10% of the planet that you could no longer speak to or used to not be able to speak to in their native language. 72% higher uh, purchase rate, even in the ultra poor, when you can speak to them in their native language. Uh, so there's value I can provide back to my shareholders. Meanwhile, actually providing economic uplift. The, the partner that we're working with, the coolest part about this the real experiment they wanted to do is what does it what does it do to that people group, uh, and it creates systemic and possibly generational financial uplift for those people group because all of a sudden, groups that making forty to sixty dollars uh, a month, right, and just literally living, I've got to eat today. Uh, our kids have to work. Everybody has to work. I now all of a sudden they go home and for an hour to two hours a night they double their revenue. And then they start a little business. And then these people typically also reinvest back into the community. So it builds this, uh, I call it like positive capitalist uh, society where all of a sudden now there's commerce and you know, small business and uh, it, it changes things. So in the, in the groups that they did it for, 
they're still watching and it's it's created change like deep change in the cultures in a positive way um and all of a sudden because now you're free too to actually look at educational materials now those kids in that village or wherever it is actually can read information on the internet in their native language and it's not just a consumer tick it's also like oh i can understand this now uh, because i'm i'm reading this and natively uh, so it's it's just and so I, what we've done is we tie these two things together so we take a part of that we we compel people in really strong economies to spend uh and we're, we're super good at that my team is like gifted at that and then we take a very large chunk of that over half and we drive it into this questing engine and we create nlps for these unreached people groups meanwhile we're also providing this capability for uh, our clients to actually create quests also uh, and target people groups. Um, so that's kind of the, that's the model. It's actually really simple. It takes a little bit to explain, but uh, ultimately in the end run, and this is what my shareholders love, it's Gravity Jack ends up with a monopoly on speaking to half the planet. Uh, yeah, and that's brilliant. And so I'm like, man, I, I, it's, it's the Nash equilibrium. It's where you create win scenarios for everybody. And now you're putting uh, Nash, bro. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. After all so that, that guy, what we're guys in a car wreck with his wife. What was that? After all that, guy, John, you're talking about John Nash, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah, he died yes. in a car accident with his wife after all he went through. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, that was oh. a secret. <laughs> Oh, Chase, that's horrible. I know, bro. <laughs> but the dead don't cry, so forget about it. <laughs> well, and he, he still changed the simulation, so. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I I, I never would have met my wife if it wasn't for game theory. <laughs> yeah, Don't go for the like, hottest one, bro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh. Wow! Yeah, that so was a the, movie that really inspired me. I'm not a mathematician, but it inspired just the concept of genius and how important it is to just think of things in new ways. You know, math was never going to be my thing, but that movie and that story—I don't know how true the actual movie was to his bio, but it was truly uh, inspirational, very powerful. Oh, I love that movie! So good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a while. I should rewatch that. Um, no, man. But yeah, so well, our game is come up with a. You should come up with a game because um, uh, game, game creators have had a really hard time um, making the game go because it's it's exponentially more complicated than uh, than chess. You know, it's the, the the black and white marbles right on the board. Uh, yeah, they play that yeah. in the in the movie. Uh, if you could figure out how to make a really good version of that game, dude, that would be huge too. Because um, there's a the people that play Go. And I forget the Chinese name for it are like fanatics for it. I know and there's, there's no... some reason, some guys doing it with uh, machine learning and AI. Um, it was a bit, I was reading about it, but uh, yeah, it seems like something you could tackle with a neural net. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what's next for, for, for gravity Jack then. So is, are is it primarily this, this, reaching half the planet thing that you're working on? Like, what are your goals for the business by 26? It's, it's absolutely that. I mean, we're, we're in a pre-staged with the SEC filing our information. Uh, and my marketing team will kill me if I don't say that the URL is wartribe.gravityjack.com. Uh, that's where you can sign up to learn about our offering. 
Uh, and that's, that's where we're going. Uh, it, there, there are some really interesting things that we're doing in the actual game that have never been done in AR. Which, excuse me, which I'm super excited about. Uh, we're one one concept I'll just share real quick. Um, somebody's probably going to get mad at me for sharing it, but oh well. Uh, we're we're generating a, a future world that is geo geographically accurate on the real world. So if you're at Starbucks, you see this dystopian world that you have to take back in the future, uh, and it's actually the same Starbucks. So we're actually using generative AI and creating an entire planet for the planet. Uh, so like the first thing you do in game is take back your home. So it's, this is a geographically accurate uh, uh, game, you know, so it's, it's, it's just really fun. But to use generative AI across and create a whole planet has been challenging. Um, uh, that's just that's one thing we're doing uh, in the mechanics that I think are going to be really unique and just exciting for even AI enthusiasts. Uh, and then we have two uh, Antagonists and protagonists are both actual real AIs uh, that that you interop with in the game. So I won't share more because it's so inspiring. I'm looking at your site now too, like the idea of generative AI. I wonder if you could do a game called like um, Escape Pompeii, where it was the accurate layout of the city of Pompeii before it was, you know, exploded with the volcano, and oh. you can run through the city as it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That would be crazy. Well, you know, there's really good 3D models of that. Uh, there's some yeah. uh, groups that have done like whole rebuilds of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're just watching your buddies get lava. Yeah, lava. just escape on pay. You got a squad, right? <laughs> Everybody's got like a different like perk. You know, one's the healer. One's like really good at bashing through walls. The other one's got a bunch of water. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get to the ocean. You just have to get to the ocean as fast as possible, dude. <laughs> Wow. That actually could be really fun because you'd have strategy around uh, if you get to the ocean but don't have a boat. Like, right, you have to you work know, together. You, right. you got to bring the yeah. carpenter, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. This is really inspiring. So where can people find you and follow you as well as engage with Gravity Jack? Uh, we're on Twitter, at Gravity Jack. Um, we are on Facebook, Gravity Jack. Um, so I mean, we've been around so long, we've got, you know, there's no numbers on it or anything. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, those are our, probably our prime two primary accounts. Uh, and yeah, then there's, we also are war tribe of Binyamin is on Twitter also. And then soon we're going to be releasing, uh, the antagonist AI, uh, onto Twitter also, but that's, that's coming in, uh, uh kind of a promo stage. Awesome, man. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure to uh, have you on the Action and Ambition podcast. I know I could talk to you for like three hours. I can just tell. Sometimes you, you just know. Um, but uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again as time passes and keep us updated as to how things are going. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Luke. Take care, man. All right, you too, brother. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.